Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would like you to open them up with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 36. Jeremiah, chapter 36. Excuse me. Title of this morning's message, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. A lot of uncertainty today in our nation. To be honest, a lot of uncertainty even in the world. I'm sure you've noticed the news that economic uncertainty is certainly kind of sweeping across the world. The stock market this past week having all kinds of record ups and downs. A lot of uncertainty about financial future, not just here in our country, but even across the world. And governments really uh, struggling, not knowing what to do, nobody really having an answer, but all trying to calm and settle the markets. There's just an uneasiness. And it's not just financial. I think it, it touches every part of our life. And the question is, where, where do we go? Where do we look for stability, where do we put our trust and our hope and our confidence? I noticed uh, the gold market is is going up and up and up. Gold now at near $1,800 an ounce. Uh, record levels for the price of gold because what's happening? People are nervous about their money. Stocks are uncertain. Interest rates are uncertain. So they're putting money into gold, thinking, well, maybe that's a little more of a stable place to put my, my savings. And uh, I'll tell you, my wedding ring has gotten very valuable. It's not real big, but at $1,800 an ounce, it's really going up in value. And people are looking for some kind of a safe haven, but not just financially. You know, people are stressed in all areas of life. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling with uneasiness, not just financially, but just emotionally. Maybe you're you're anxious about things. You know, the future is fearful. Your, things are going on in your life that have caused you uncertainty. And the Bible says that there's coming a day when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And in order that that which cannot be shaken will remain. The Word of God endures forever. There's, a, there's something about God's Word that becomes an anchor a foundation, something of a stable place to put our heart, our mind, and build our lives. This is what God's Word tells us. This is really the, the secret for the Christian life to, to not, not anchor your, your heart on the ups and downs of circumstance and the uncertainty of government and business and job and family and relationships and even your own emotions. No, we need to look to build and anchor our heart and life on the Word of God. Because God's Word is sure. It's steadfast. It's a foundation upon which you can really build and and have trust. We want to look at that today as we look at Jeremiah. What we're going to see is God sending His Word and uh, it's going to be received by some, rejected by others, but through it all, God's Word is going to endure before we look at Jeremiah, let me just remind you of this passage out of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. He says that all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by, the word which by the gospel was preached to you. He goes on to say, desire that word, desire it like, pure, like a child desires pure milk that you might grow. The key to growing spiritually is being nurtured on the word, the sure word of God. What we'll notice here as we turn to Jeremiah 36, notice with me, I'll read these first ten verses. God is faithful to send His word. God is faithful to send His word. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all 
the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll of a book at the instruction of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am confined, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. You go, therefore, and read from the scroll which you have written at my instruction, the words of the Lord and the hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting. And you shall also read them in the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord, and everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Just two more verses. Hang in there with me. Now it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem and to all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem. And then Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house in the hearing of all the people. All right. Pardon my reading that, but it sets the whole stage for what we're going to be looking at here today. What's happening? God is wanting to send His people one more opportunity to hear, to turn, and to be forgiven through the listening of His Word. Jeremiah has now been in ministry for many years at this time. Now this king, Jehoiakim, we know from other places in the Scripture and other history writers, Jehoiakim was really a very evil king, not a king that was leading God's people in the right direction at all. But God still has a heart to reach His people, and God is faithful to send His Word. God is the author of the book of Jeremiah. God is the one who gave Jeremiah the words, who then spoke them, and Baruch the scribe transcribed them. But the Holy Spirit, God Himself, is the one who writes the Word. He uses men, but it is the Lord who is, in fact, the author. And it brings up the question for all of our hearts today. How do you view the Bible? Is the Bible just a collection of books written by various human authors, giving us certain insights into the Hebrew history and the the nation of Israel? Or is it, in fact, something that is inspired by the true and living God, given and inspired through inspiration to the heart of men to be written by men, but authored by God? How do you view the Bible? For the Christian, for us that embrace Jesus Christ, we see the Bible as the inspired Word of God. We don't see it merely as words of men. We believe that God oversaw the writing. We believe this for a number of reasons, but uh, just one of them in that God gave uh, prophetic insight thousands of years before Christ was on the scene and then Christ's life fulfilled those prophetic words exactly, demonstrating a supernatural quality to this book written over thousands of years by numerous authors, and yet collectively they carry the same theme, and they prophetically speak not only of the past, but even today we are seeing fulfillment of Scripture. This is not just the word of men. It is penned by men, but it is the word of the Lord. And God is faithful to send His word. God is faithful to send His inspiration we see something there in verse 3 about the purpose for His Word, don't we? Here's what God wants to see happen. It may be that the house of Judah will hear of the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. God wants them to hear His Word, 
He wants them to turn, in other words, to believe, to respond, to allow it to impact their life, to turn from the direction that they're going and allow God's Word to correct them. And that as they put their faith and trust and allow God's Word to minister to their heart, that God would then forgive them. God wants to forgive. God wants to have relationship with His people. God is not sending these words to scare them. God is not sending these words to destroy them. God is sending these words to bring them back into relationship with Him. And so it's true today. God wants us to hear His Word and to turn our hearts that He would embrace us and forgive us as we put our faith in His Word. We'll talk more about the living Word, the Word becoming flesh, a little bit later. But we see here that God is faithful To bring His Word, we see what's on His heart and what He's trying to accomplish. And He wants to bring His purpose into their life. God's Word is good for many things in our lives. It can be used for correction and warning. It can be used for instruction. It can be used for encouragement. It can bring hope. It brings promise. It gives future. It gives a very present help in a time of need. It gives purpose and meaning to life. It provides guidance. It provides light to our path. Are you allowing God's Word to impact you this way? What is your take on the Bible? Is it something that is really bringing purpose and meaning? Are you drawing inspiration from the Word of God? Or is it just something of a, of a book that is kind of hard to understand and you're not that interested and for the most part it sits at home on the bookshelf but once in a while we crack it on Sunday morning and I listen to what the pastor has to say. Or is it something that you're really beginning to pour into your own heart? God's Word is alive and it's intended to bring life to your personal relationship with Him. We also see that God finds a way to bring His Word, don't we? He's faithful to send it and we see its purpose, but he's also he has to kind of work around Jeremiah's situation. Jeremiah in verse 5 says, I'm confined. I, I can't go into the temple. We don't know why. We have an assumption that because of Jeremiah's prior messages in the temple that weren't very well received, that he was kind of banned from the temple. Jeremiah, we don't want to hear from you anymore. You stay home. We're not allowing you in the temple. This is before he's in prison. Jeremiah is not imprisoned here, but he is prohibited from going into the temple. So he says, Baruch, here. You write these words down. You go and tell God's Word into the temple. God's Word finds a way to to, to find those hearts that need to hear Him. And even though Jeremiah cannot take the Word, Baruch does for him and proclaims it for him. We also notice that they, in verse 9, that the nation had come together to proclaim a fast. Uh, this means it was a time of distress and national crisis. And they had gathered together to solicit the Lord's help. They're, this is a people that is needing to hear from God. They recognize their need to hear from God. And God is faithfully sending a word to meet them in their moment of crisis, in their moment of need. And this is the way God's word lives today as well. God's Word finds its way to that heart in time of need. Have you ever experienced that? I know that I have. A a divine appointment, a a message that speaks to my heart. How did the pastor know? How, How is it possible that that could speak right into my circumstance? A phone call from a friend, an email from someone you haven't heard from, and a scripture on their mind or on their heart, and it ministers into your heart. Someone that invites you to a, to a harvest crusade, and you go and God speaks to your heart in a way that you did not expect. God's Word finds a way. God is faithful to oversee that His Word finds its way to that heart that is seeking, that heart that is hungry. I like what Pastor Greg Laurie said. I was watching the Harvest Crusade online last night. And he said, you know, I'm getting ready to invite many of you to respond and come to faith in Jesus. And many of you are going to come. And there are some of you here tonight, you you, you don't know yet that you're going to come, but you are going to come. You You didn't come here thinking that you were going to receive Christ, but God is going to speak to you and you're going to receive Christ. And isn't that the way often the Lord's Word comes? When we least expect it, 
When you don't know how or what you're going to do, God's word shows up and hits and ministers to your heart. And this is what God is doing here, even in the nation of Israel. This is a nation, this, this nation of Judah, this is a nation that is, they don't know what to do. They are mixed up. They are in crisis. Their leaders are completely off the, the uh, spiritually off from what God had called them to be. But God is still faithful to send a word. The Bible says in Matthew, Jesus, chapter 7, 7 and 8, He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Listen, God will speak to you. God's Word will come to life in your heart. If you will seek, if you will knock, if you will ask, God, speak to me. God, show me something out of Your Word. God, I want my heart to be influenced by Your Word. I need to hear. I need something to build my life on. My life is a mess. Things are chaotic. Things, circumstances, out of control. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. God, give me Your Word. Give me some truth that I can build my life on and anchor my hope in. God's Word is that anchor. And God is faithful to send that Word. We will see as we look on here that God's Word is going to be received. Look with me in verse 11. There are some who will receive God's Word at this time. Now, I'm going to do my best on some of these names. I'm apologizing on the very front end. There's a lot of biblical names that are difficult to pronounce. But don't let that distract you this morning. When Micaiah, the son of Gamariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the book, he then went down to the king's house, into the scribe's chamber. And there all the princes were sitting. Elishama, the scribe, Deliah, the son of Shemijah, uh, or Shemiah, Elna, then the son of Akbar, Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. And then Micaiah declared to them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the book in the hearing of the people. Therefore all the princes sent Jehudai, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushi, to Baruch, saying, Take in your hand the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, Sit down now and read it in our hearing. So Baruch read it in their hearing. Now it happened, when they had heard all the words, that they looked in fear from one to another and said to Baruch, We will surely tell the king of all these words. And they asked Baruch, saying, Tell us now, how did you write all these words? At his, Jeremiah's, instruction? And so Baruch answered him, He proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then the princes said to Baruch, Go and hide you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. So the word is first preached or read in the temple. And there is a young man there by the name of Micaiah who hears the words. And when he hears those words being read in the temple, he said this, this needs to be heard by the spiritual leaders. This needs to be heard down in the, amongst the princes, the leaders of our nation. This is the word of the Lord. He, he recognizes. His heart is touched and stirred. And so he, he takes this and brings it to his, uh, to, down into the uh, palace where the princes can hear it. And it turns out, as we see here the text, that this Micaiah is the son of Gamariah, who is also the son of Shaphan. So, Micaiah is the grandson of Shaphan, or Shaphan, however you pronounce his name. Well, this is, this is interesting, because this Shaphan, he is the one who read from the book of the law found during King Josiah's reign. Now, let me just give you a quick history. King Josiah, he was a king prior to this King Jehoiakim. He was a good king. He was the last of the good kings. He was, a, he was a king that when they were clearing out the temple, the house of the Lord, a book of the law was found. The books of Moses. 
And they were, they were dug out and dusted off. Imagine, here, God's nation, and they hadn't looked at God's Word in years and years and generations. But this king discovers it, and this Shaphan brings it, and he opens it, and he begins to read the book of the law. And King Josiah hears the words. And all of the people hear the word of the Lord. It's been lost for years. But the word of God stirs their heart again and it moves them. And King Josiah brings reform. It's the last really great revival in the nation. King Josiah has now passed and the nation has now sunk back into sin and lost their way spiritually all over again. But this is the grandson of that Shaphan who read the word. There's a number of other sons that this Shaphan had uh, that are listed in the book of Jeremiah. We don't have time to look at them, but a number of his sons. Not only was he a godly man, but he passed on a godly lineage. And so here's this young man hearing the Word of God. His grandfather is a man of the Word. His father as well. And when he hears this prophecy being read in the temple, his heart immediately knows that's God's Word. That's the Word of the Lord to us at this time. It speaks to a heart that, has, that, had, that had been trained on the Word of the Lord. A young man, who knows how young he was when he first began to hear God's Word being spoken, but when a true prophecy comes, his heart recognizes it. It speaks to us about parenting, doesn't it? It speaks to us about passing on a spiritual lineage into the heart of our children that we should raise our children to know and to fear and to respect God's Word. That when they hear the Word of the Lord, they recognize it for what it is. Not just some old-fashioned, you know, uh, conservative mindset, but know the wisdom, the heart, the mind, the Word of the Lord. And this young man hears it and he brings it to the leaders. How important is it to sow God's Word into the young hearts that we have influence over? To love God's Word and to instill His Word into the hearts of our children. I think of the children's ministry. And I think of, you know, sometimes those those helpers in the children's ministry faithfully teaching the Word of God into those little ones and wondering, is anything getting through? Is anything going down into that heart? That's the next generation. They're going to be the ones that carry the torch of God's Word. And you wonder, man, the only thing I'm worried about them torching is the church. They run around and who knows what's going on. I don't know if anything spiritual is going on. in there, But I'm telling you, something is going on. You're training a young heart to, to hear and to know what the Word of God is. And that seed, that Word may lie dormant for many years. Who knows how God will use it. But there will come a time, like Micaiah, he'll hear the Word spoken. This is a a people that have lost their way spiritually. But God's true Word comes and spoken in the church, maybe for the first time in a long time, and he knows it. That's the Word of the Lord. Something in his heart has moved. Something that's lied dormant. Something has come to life again. God's Word has endured. And God's Word will endure. How many of you today you can remember God's Word being put into your heart in some way as a young person that still impacts your life even today. Many of us. Oh, how we need to raise our children to know the Lord and to know His Word. Train them up in the ways of the Lord and when they are older, they will not depart from it. Hearts are awakened. Not just this young man, but God's Word is taken and we see that as they hear it, there is this immediate receptive heart. We see, look there with me again in verse 16. Now it happened when they had heard all the words that they looked in fear from one to another and said to Baruch, we will surely tell the king of all these words. These men knew the word of God when they heard it. It awakened something in their heart. They looked in fear to one another. They were stirred. We, we must tell the king. This is God trying to speak to us. Their own hearts moved by the truth that they now heard declared through Jeremiah's scroll. Have you ever experienced that in your own life? Have you ever had God's Word come to you and awaken something in your heart? I'd like to believe that my heart is, it remains awake 
That I don't have to go through seasons where I just kind of become numb and then all of a sudden God has to kind of wake me up again. But I must say that there have been seasons in my life where I have needed that. And the Word of the Lord, a word and season has come and, and God has used it to just awaken my heart. That's what's going on here. These men, they're praying. They don't know what to do. The enemies are surrounding their nation. It's crumbling. There's famine. There's despair. There's uncertainty. There's fear. But then the Word of the Lord comes and it, it, it stirs something in their heart and they realize God is trying to call us back. God is trying to stir our hearts to return to Him. I've shared this with you before, but I, I remember as, a, as someone myself that was living as a Christian, but really not living a very fruitful life so far as ministry goes. I loved the Lord. My wife and I, we were raising our children in the Lord, and we were faithful in our church attendance, and we were, we were what you would consider to be a, a Christian home and family. But I was very busy in business and very busy raising a family and busy coaching soccer and, you know, going to recitals and just, you know, the run of, of raising a family. And the things of God, at least as, so far as ministry went, just kind of began to fade into, into something of the back burner. And I can remember that there came a time when we were looking as a family to find a place to fellowship. We were looking for a church. We had moved and we were looking to plug in at a new church. And so we, we walked into Calvary Chapel in La Mirada. My old friend from high school, Pastor Brian Parrish, was there pastoring. And this was about 15 years ago. And I can remember when I walked in and I saw my old high school buddy, the guy that I brought to the Bible study where he got saved. When I saw him in the pulpit and began to teach the Word, something awoke in my heart. I realized that, you know, here's a peer, here's my, an old friend that God is using for the purposes and the, and the things that God has called him to. And it, it caused me to remember some of those callings and sense of usefulness that I once felt and had in my heart, but had gone dormant, had gone kind of to the back. And it just stirred something in me. And I've got to tell you, I've, I, I've never been the same. God woke something up in my heart and I began to give place to it and I began to desire to be useful in His kingdom. Now God, in my case, it led me to where we are today. I'm now pastoring. That's not always the direction and the place that, that God leads. But God does call all of us to fruitfulness, to faithfulness, to be uh, useful in the kingdom of God. I served most of my ministry years. I, I've served... Not full-time. I was a businessman and a dad and a coach and someone useful in ministry. We have many today. Most today are not full-time. This is not a, a church with a big staff. You're looking at the only one that's actually currently on staff full-time. We have some others that are part-time helping, but for the most part, the ministry today is carried by people like you. We have doctors. We have dentists. We have teachers. We have construction workers, contractors. We have all students, all mix and all walks of life helping carry and serve in the ministry and moving the ministry forward. And so God calls us and God has to awaken us to these things through the power and teaching of His Word. For my heart, something was stirred that day. For Jeremiah and the, Jeremiah's day, these leaders are hearing the Word and it's awakening something in their heart and it's being received. They're allowing God's Word to stir them and move them and I want to encourage you to do the same. Is your life open to the impact of God's Word? Does God's Word have access to your heart today? Can He correct you? Can He encourage you? Can He instruct you? Is God's Word really the light unto your path? Is it really the anchor for your soul? Because if it is, you're on solid ground. And there ought not be this fretting and this anxiety and this worrying and this strife and this trouble. Not that there won't be challenges, but God's Word produces a strength, a peace that passes understanding. It gives us a quality 
that we don't have in and of ourselves, but by the grace of God, we are able to live and walk our lives for His glory and for His purpose. Well, we look on. God's Word is not always received. It's not always given access to the heart. Let's look at this King Jehoiakim and look at his response. Tragic, really. Verse 20. And they went to the king, into the court, but they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and told all the words in the hearing of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to bring the scroll, and he took it from Elishama the scribe's chamber. And Jehudi read it in the hearing of the king, and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning in the hearth before him. And it happened when Jehudi had read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan, Deliah, and Gamariah implored the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. The king now gets to hear the word of the Lord. The king now has the scroll read in his presence. And not only does he reject the message of the word, but he so uh, really blatantly and disrespectfully, as the word and the scroll is being written, he takes the scribe's knife and he cuts it off piece by piece. Thank you for reading that. And he throws it into the fire. And then he reads a little more and he cuts that piece off, crumples it up, and throws it into the fire. He has no fear of God's Word. He has no respect for the Word of the Lord. And we see that he completely rejects it and brings judgment against himself, his his future kingdom, and against his nation. No fear of God. No sense of conviction. It says they did not tear their garments. Tearing the garments was an outward sign of, of having been really spoken to in the heart. When it's, it's a sign of humility. It's a sign of, of when someone was spoken to by the Word of the Lord and they recognized that God was speaking to them and a sense of conviction, a sense of, of, of humility. Oh my God, look what I have done. They would tear their garments, the, the strength to symbolize the strength, the impact that the Word was having upon their heart. And we see here the king and, his, and his, his princes, nobody tore any garments. Nobody was feeling any conviction. The only thing they tore was the scroll to throw it into the fire. No fear of God, the king nor any of his servants. He had surrounded himself with people just like himself. No accountability, no fear of the Lord. They would not listen. They could not be corrected. And they actually wanted to seize the messenger. Go get that Jeremiah. Go get that Baruch. But God had already hidden them. The question I think that I would like to ask our heart today, is it possible to harden your heart against the Word of the Lord? Is it possible that just through the course of your life and and not being diligent about spiritual things, that you could come to a place where God's Word no longer is able to stir and move your heart, correct you. It no, it no longer has that access to the real inner part of your will. I believe it is possible. A few things I notice about this king, and I would warn us today. First of all, we'll find out later in the chapter here, one of the reasons the king rejected the Word, because he didn't like what the Word said. He didn't like the message And so, why do I want to hear a message that I don't like? Well, because it's from God. Yeah, but I don't like it. I don't want to hear it. This is a king who had trained his ear to reject and not listen to those things that he didn't already want to hear. That is a dangerous thing to do with your heart and your spirit. Be careful. Don't train your ear to only hear the things you like to hear. Don't... don't, 
weed out only those sermons, those messages, those passages that seem to affirm those things you want to hear anyway. Paul warned Timothy of this. He said in the last days, you know, there are going to be people who wanting to have their ears tickled, they're not going to listen to the full counsel of God. They're not going to be interested in the, in, in, uh, the fullness of what Scripture has to say. They're going to turn aside to fables. And they're going to heap up for themselves teachers that tell them what they want to hear. Prophesy to us smooth things. Tell us those things that tickle our ears. Be careful. This is a king whose heart lost his ability to be sensitive to the truth because he didn't want the truth. He only wanted those things that affirmed his own deception. The second thing I notice is that the king seems to be at ease, doesn't he? He's there in his winter home, taking ease by the fire. There, you know, his nation is on the verge of destruction. His nation is back in the temple. They're fasting and calling out on God. And here's the king hanging out with his buddies, just taking it easy in one of his palaces. The Bible tells us that this was a king that endeavored to live very lavishly and that he was really insensitive to the need of his people, primarily self-consumed. It is possible to be so preoccupied with your own lifestyle, your own priorities, your own ease, that God's Word loses its impact upon your heart. You become too distracted. You become you know, apathetic. So long as it doesn't affect me. Oh, I'm not worried about any of that. Things are good for me now. Or I'm busy, I'm too preoccupied, I'm, I'm focused on this right now. And I don't have time, I'm not ready, I'm not interested in what God's Word would say. Be careful. Be careful in that we living our lives that we become so preoccupied that God, God's Word no longer has room to move and work in us. God's Word is alive. God's Word is active. The Bible says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. You can harden and resist and reject, or you can allow it to come in and do what it must. Stir you when you need it. Encourage you when you need it. Correct you. Instruct you. Show you the way. Something else that I see in this king, he simply has no fear of God. There's just no sense of accountability He really doesn't believe this word of warning from Jeremiah. He doesn't think that God can touch him. He doesn't really imagine that God will mess with his reign. He's got things under control. I'm the king. He's sitting in the power seat. And that's the problem when you get too uh, overly impressed with yourself. You imagine that somehow even God's word is not really relevant to you. You'll chart your own course. Thank you very much. I've got things under control. I don't need that. Not interested in that. And so this king came to a place where there was no fear of the Lord. He had no sense of of, uh, heartache or change at all. He just simply didn't believe in the Word. And finally, what I see in this king is that he surrounded himself by peers who also had no fear of God. Do you see that? It said that all all of them, none of them were moved. None of them cared. He'd surrounded himself with people just like himself. Now, that's, that's a warning for us too. Who are you hanging with? Who are you running with? Are you, are you fellowshipping with people that are after God and hungry for His Word? I want to be with people that want to talk about the Lord. I want to be around those that have interest in spiritual things. You know why? Because I want to be challenged. I want to hear what God's doing in your life and what God's putting His finger on in your heart because I want that to stir me. And I want, yeah, I want somebody that will listen and is interested in what God's doing in my life. And together we sharpen one another. We encourage one another. I want to be with those that are receptive to the Word of God, hungry for the Word of God. I don't want to be with just hanging with people that have no fear of God, no interest in spiritual things. Be careful, Christian. Now, we can't, we're not called to isolate ourselves. We're not called to just our little holy huddle and we don't, you know, we're this closed group and we don't fellowship anyone outside of our, our own clique. That's not what I'm talking about. We are called to go out and witness. We are called to go out and win the loss. We are called to go out and love and, and walk in mercy 
and show kindness and good works and fruit because we're to attract men and women, other lost souls to Christ. And that is a ministry. But I'm not going out into the world to, to be friends with the world. I'm going out into the world to rescue and win the world. They're lost. The world is lost. And those that, that don't know Christ are going to hell. They don't need me to come and be buddy. They need me to come and bring the word of truth. How can they call on Him whom they have not heard? How can they hear unless God sends a preacher? You may be the one God is sending. God's Word in your heart is to minister to those around you. But listen, don't, don't get into a group of people that are going to bring you down spiritually. You need to fellowship and encourage others that want to fellowship with you. Let's lift one another up spiritually. Let's find ways to encourage one another in the Lord. This king had completely lost his ability to be touched and moved by the Lord. Well, in spite of that, God's Word endures. This king, oh well, I'll just burn that scroll and that'll be the end of that. God's Word is much more durable than that, O king. We find here in verse 27, Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words which Baruch had written at the instruction of Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. And you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus says the Lord, You have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from here? That's the message he didn't like. Verse 30, Therefore thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will punish him, his family, and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring on them, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them, but they did not heed. And then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the instruction of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And besides, there were added to them many similar words. He burned the scroll in the fire. God simply wrote another one. He instructed Jeremiah, just write it over. Only add a few words this time. Make sure you add these words about what I'm going to do with Jehoiakim and what's going to come upon him. The history tells us that, in fact, that prophecy did come to pass. History tells us that Jehoiakim would die, that he would die at the age of 36, just some five years after these events. His death occurred on the way to captivity, apparently at the instigation of Nebuchadnezzar, who, according to Josephus, the historian, had his body thrown outside the city wall, as prophesied by Jeremiah. The Word of God endures. The Word of God endures. This king thought he could reject it. This king thought he could dismiss it. God simply rewrote the scroll and added to it and expounded on it, and God's Word continued. Jehoiakim would go on just a few more years and die a young man, a very tragic death. But the words and the prophecies of Jeremiah, well, you and I are reading them today. King Jehoiakim is long gone. God's Word still speaking, still standing, still prevailing. God's Word endures forever. Build your life here. Make this your focus. Make this your study. Make this your heart's quest. And God will bless you. Finally today, we'll close. If you'll just turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. God is still sending His Word. God's still speaking. God still has something to say. I just want to remind you what's been said through the Word, Jesus Christ. We'll look at this in just a moment. A fam famous passage, you know it well. But let me 
introduce it by reminding you what John 1, chapter 14 says. I want to talk to you about the living Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, God's Word keeps coming. He sent, He actually, the Word became flesh. He put on flesh and demonstrated the very voice and Word of God. We know Him as Jesus Christ. We'll finish today by looking at John 3.16-21. through 21. Here's the Word today, church. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds might be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. The Word became flesh. Jeremiah wrote a scroll. God finished that statement by putting on flesh. Jeremiah spoke to his people that they would hear, that they would turn, and that God would forgive. The same word is spoken today through the person of Jesus Christ. He came that you would hear, that you would know, that you would believe and turn, and that he would forgive. He came to save. He wants to save. And we don't want to be like this king, hard-hearted. We want to be like that young man. When the word of God struck our ears, maybe even some of you here today, a long time since you've really given place to the Word of God, but let your heart come awake today. Let God speak to us. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word that endures forever. Lord, I, I want to say for myself, and I, I believe that, I, that my desire is the desire of many here today that I want my heart to be always open to the truth of Your Word. I don't ever want to get my life in some place or my, my mind in such a distracted place that I am no longer moved by Your Word. I want to have a heart that's tender and sensitive. And when You speak, Lord, I'm listening. And when I open Your Word, Lord, it's speaking to my heart. And it's, it's, it's filling my heart with life and purpose. I pray for our heart as a church, Lord. We live very similar to the time in which Jeremiah ministered. We live in a time when leadership and culture has lost sight of the things of God. We live in a time, Lord, when the Bible is almost a lost truth. May it not be so in your church. May it not be so in, in this place. May your word always be welcomed. May your word always be received with love and joy and respect. Lord, I also want to pray for those that are here today that may need to respond to you. And if you'll just bow with, keep your heads bowed with me for one more moment, stay in an attitude of prayer. I want to speak to you today if, the Lord is asking you to come to Him in a unique and special way. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and, and God has awoken something in your heart. Maybe for the first time. Maybe, maybe you've never really come to the Lord and invited Him into your heart. But you heard today that He loves you and that He has sent His Word. Listen, this is no coincidence, no accident that you're here. As I said, God's Word finds a way. God wanted you to hear this today, that He loves you. 
He wanted you to hear His Word so that your heart would turn. That you would turn toward Him. That He would be able to forgive you of all your sin today. If maybe you've never done that, I'd love to pray for you. If you would like to invite Jesus into your life and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, then I would love to pray. Or maybe you're someone that has been away from the Lord for a long time. Maybe like the nation of Israel here, almost almost forgot that God had word for you, that God had purpose for you. And you find yourself here today, but God has woken something up. God has stirred you in a way and He's saying, come back. Come back to those things that I have purpose for you. Come rededicate, recommit your life to Me. Turn. Here, turn and let Me forgive and heal and cleanse and restore. I want to pray for you if that's something you need to do today just before we dismiss. If you're here today and you need to come to the Lord for the first time or you need to come back and recommit your life to Him, would you raise your hand where you're seated? I bless you and I will pray for you. Anyone else? A number of you here on the right and there in the back as well. God bless you over on the left. God bless you, sir. Any others just before I pray? Anyone else? God's speaking to you. His heart is... His Word has touched your heart today in a, in a kind of a, a, a... bless you there on my left in the very back. He's awoken you and you as well on the right in the back. Anyone else before I pray? In the center section toward the rear. God bless you, ma'am. All right, let me pray for those that have responded. Lord, Your Word endures forever. And the Word of hope that You spoke in Jeremiah's day, the Word that You spoke so clearly when the Word became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, it speaks loud and clear today. It hasn't changed because you haven't changed. The truth of it is still life-changing and powerful and sure and trustworthy. Lord, if I could, I just want to pray for those that have responded. And I'm, I'm asking you that have responded, if you would, just allow me to voice a prayer for you and let your heart just agree with me in this prayer. Lord, I come to You and I ask You to forgive me of my sin. I recognize today that, that I've been living my life really kind of going against Your Word and Your will and Your purpose. I've, been, I've made mistakes. I, I've, I've lived as a sinner. I, I've, I've fallen short. And God, I confess it. I admit it today. I'm not here making excuses. I'm just saying, God... That's who I am. I hear Your Word calling me to, to turn, to change. And I want to respond. I turn my heart away from those things. I turn to You now. I come back to You, or for the first time I come to You. And I say, Jesus, I believe that You died on the cross for my sins. You are God's Word to me. That whosoever would believe on You would not perish but have everlasting life. I receive it today by faith. I believe the Word. It is the truth. Cleanse me. Forgive me. And Holy Spirit, come and fill my heart and make me a new person from the inside. Oh God, may this be the beginning of new and beautiful things in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.